Okay. Good morning, everyone. We will uh, commence our Bible study with the Lord's Prayer here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today we're going to continue off where we left last Sunday with the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus' words on uh, what it looks like in the kingdom of the Lord for how Christians ought to act to one another. So we're going to continue with Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 33. And this is where Jesus talks about how Christians should take oaths and what that looks like, how we make promises. So I'll go ahead and read this. This is verse 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus' words here, uh, they come again in this, you've got to remember he's speaking in this first century Judaism uh, background. So you have a lot of uh, the Old Testament uh, laws on, on conduct. That's in the background here. Um, there's actually this kind of a elaborate ranking system in place at this time of like what kind of oaths you take and Say, uh, say an oath was on the lower end of the rank, then you kind of had to keep it, but not really. But if it was like on the higher end of the ranking system, if you said these certain words, you absolutely had to keep that oath uh, no matter what here. Uh, so uh, Jesus is criticizing this idea of, of oath-taking, and he's got uh, two, two points here as, as he goes through. On, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse, starting at verse 33 here. Uh, so this is from Dr. Gibbs, uh, his, his commentary on Matthew. Uh, so the Son of God condemns the entire mindset that assigns varying degrees of importance or binding force to a solemn promise depending on the particular formula or wording of the promise. To swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem is all the same as invoking the name of God himself. All things in creation belong to God and are related to him. Oaths and promises that invoke as binding authority such things that are related to God cannot be ranked or quantified. Words are more important than that. Any oath is a promise to God. It is better not to swear at all. So I thought that was an interesting point to make here where, you know, at, at this time, you know, they, they have these different, you know, things. If you swear by you know, say, say this, this house or this chair, then, you know, okay, you don't have to keep that. But if you swear by, like, the temple of the Lord, then, 
oh, now you really got to keep that oath. And Dr. Gibbs's point is that you, it's all, you know, made by the hand of God. You know, everything that we could, uh, you know, imagine in creation. And it has all been created by God. It all belongs to God. And, you know, we need to have that respect for God's creation no matter what it is. We shouldn't try and say, well, you know, that this thing here is not as important, therefore I'm not going to uh, have to keep that oath if I swear by that. And Dr. Gibbs' point is we have to keep, you know, we have to keep this equal uh, reverence for all of God's creation. Um, it sort of reminds me of a, a joke uh, from, uh, from the Old Testament. It's not, I mean, it's a joke about the Old Testament, not from the Old Testament, but, but uh, Adam in the Garden of Eden, he was, you know, feeling, you know, feeling his oats, I guess, and, and he said to God, you know what, God, it's not so hard to make a person. I bet I can make a person right now. And so God's like, fine, go ahead. And uh, so Adam, you know, sits down and starts gathering a bunch of dirt together to, to make a person. And God says, get your own dirt. So, <laughs> so, so that, kind of, that kind of idea that it's all, it's all God's creation, uh, right? Um, so so, uh, that's, so that's the one point that Jesus makes about it. everything that you see that is all made by the hand of God. It's all related to God. Therefore, we shouldn't relate one thing as a higher value than something else in terms of keeping obedience uh, to, to an oath. Um, secondly, uh, there's this, this effect that can happen where we devalue, say we have things that are ranked lower on the, the oath hierarchy, we naturally devalue those things. Uh, you know, words, words have meaning, and if, you know, someone casually says, you know, I swear to, you know, G-O-D, right? They say that casually, well, you're devaluing that, that word of God. You're devaluing God, devaluing God himself and by, by casually treating uh, his word uh, that way. And um, the, the, so it not only devalues you know, whatever you're swearing by, but it has this um, effect of inflating your own self-worth or value. Um, and that, that he doesn't... Uh, uh, Jesus kind of knocks that down as well. You know, to, so to swear by one's head implies that one can actually affect a change of some significance. Um, I mean, this, granted, this uh, Matthew 5, this is before the age of old tress, right? So, so, I mean, people can actually, you know, change their, their hair today. But again, it's, it's by uh, chemicals or, you know, hair dye, things like that. It's not, it's not by actual power. And it doesn't change the fact that, you know, we can't really control ourselves um, or anything about us. And if we, you know, start having this, this system of hierarchies here, then we are basically saying that we have more power than we do. And, and so there's this, this uh, humility that Jesus wants to impress upon Christians as well, not just, um, uh, not just, and in addition to the idea of, we need to reverence all of God's creation. Uh, the, uh, another aspect here is that, um, uh, you know, we need to remember that we are but dust. You know, we speak from our frame as, as humans, right? So, so, again, with this idea of 
you know, humility as, as we serve in God's creation, as we make these oaths. We need to remember that we are here for 70, 80 years. Like we're, we're here for a short time and then no more. Then we are dust. And so having a respect for God's creation, having a respect for God and do humility, do humility for ourselves, um, that just helps us to uh, orient ourselves better to our fellow Christians and to you know, the, the rest of God's creation. And uh, the, uh, the other thing here is, is you know, how he, this, this idea of using words carelessly, of uh, breaking promises, uh, that comes from the devil, right? Who is notoriously, what does Jesus call him elsewhere? The father of lies, exactly. So, so, you know, someone who very casually uh, makes words up, inflates his own self-importance, right? The devil wanted to uh, be God. He wanted to stand in the, the throne of God, and that's why he was cast down. As uh, I know you've been looking at Revelation, it talks about the, the battle, you know, between the dragon and his angels and, and Michael and his, his angels. And this all, again, comes from this, this satanic desire, if you will, to, to kind of have an, inf by speech and carelessness of word, to have an inflated view of ourselves as, as people. Uh, the, uh, so some modern applications here is uh, that we, we are absolutely responsible for our words today, uh, regardless of, um, uh, yes? Oh, yes, yes, here we go. So what comes to... So what comes to mind is uh, a lot of people who work in professions that have to take oaths, mm -hmm. or the oath we take when we're married, or the oath you as a pastor took. Mm -hmm. So what is the differentiation, just... Uh, impersonal swearing or oh that is um, is the idea that all oaths are then forbidden is that and yeah and that is something that is something else that um, that the commentary gets to is Jesus is not just saying you know that all oaths are bad here uh, there there is um, you know just as in this section he's talking about uh, you know, chopping off body parts if they cause, cause you to sin. Or, you know, he, Jesus is using hyperbole here in, in talking about, you know, you know not swearing, not, not oaths. So that doesn't mean that oaths and, and promises are uh, forbidden. Um, it, it is more getting at some of these, this wrong thinking that was behind some of these oaths, uh, such as, you know, overinflated sense of self, devaluing others, not respecting God's creation uh, equally. Um, but, but yes, that, that is uh, absolutely, if you join the military, you've got, you've got oaths. If you uh, serve in public office or, or um, you know, uh, in uh, confirmation class, you know, you, you are uh, promising to, you know, ser serve and follow the Christian faith and suffer all, even death, rather than um, fall away from it. In uh, holy baptism, you have the oaths of the, you know, kind of the confessions, but they're, in a way, they're promises as well. 
you know, do you renounce the devil? All, all of those things. So, so oaths are still part of the Christian life. It's just they, they need to be made with the right um, reasons in mind there. Um, and and this, this whole thing today, another thing is communication today is on the one hand, you know, with, with social media, you know, people are able to communicate to each other a whole lot more, but in some ways, because we're not doing it face to face as much anymore, our communication has, has suffered. And if, uh, you know, you'll sometimes hear of, of people, you know, having a text conversation back and forth and, and people don't know if someone says words like okay or fine. Um, I mean, at least if someone says, you know, I'm fine in person, you can kind of tell from their tone, you know, are they really fine or are they like, like angry? But, but like on a text, if you see the word fine, who knows? Like, I don't know if this is like a, a, a bomb waiting to explode or, or if this person actually, everything is actually okay here. Uh, so, so Christians today, we need to work even harder uh, at our communication uh, to, to make sure we're, we're understood and that we understand other people here. Um, this also speaks to, uh, what is it, like 90% of communication today is, is nonverbal. It is what you see a person doing rather than and what, how you hear like their tone and things like that. And then it is only 10% the actual words that are coming out of their mouth. So uh, if, if a Christian, you know, maybe tries to hide behind like, well, I didn't mean it like that or, or what's the problem? All I said was, you know, X, Y, or Z. Well, we, we need to be more uh, sensitive to our communication as, as Christians, especially in terms of uh, relationships. Uh, if, if we are communicating and it comes off a certain way that offends our uh, brother or sister or, or you know, in, in the faith or, you know, family or, or spouse, uh, we need to own that and, and, you know, do our best to live in harmony uh, with other people. Um, and uh, in, by doing that, then this is, you know, this is how God's people will then be the salt of the earth. Like if you, if you are known as someone who uh, says what they mean and follows through on your word and, and is, you know, careful in your communication, then people will take you at your word. And then, you know, that, you know, that's how people can be much more impactful, especially as Christians uh, in God's world. Um, and then we already mentioned the uh, aspect of hyperbole here. Um, any more uh, thoughts or questions on this idea of taking oaths and, um, you know, prom promises before uh, God and others? Yes. Uh, would you ever link this with the uh, second commandment, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain? Absolutely. Good, good connection there. That, um, you know, if, you know, in terms of, you know, if we take, you know, whatever we take an oath in, you know, if we are just casually swearing by it, then that could be devaluing it. And so, you know, this, this also maybe speaks to, um, you know, vulgarity uh, in the, in the military it, yeah, it's, it, you know, the Marine, I'm not, I don't know who cusses more, sailors or Marines. I think that's a competition, you know, between the two, honestly. But, but um, you know, 
pursuing you know purity of speech um, and and uh, that's that's also a, a feeds into the the ninth command or the second commandment you know not taking the Lord's name in vain and and I've often seen it the case where uh, you have if you have a like a senior enlisted like a master sergeant you know someone who's been in for like a long time you know just we call them salty you know very salty all right <laughs> if if someone is cussing a lot, I mean, they still often have very, very great force of character at that point. But if you see them talking to a group of their subordinates and every other word is, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, bad words, right? Um, that, that's a strong contrast with, say, you have a senior enlisted who's been in a long time who can speak to their subordinates and they don't use any cuss words, and they get the same amount of obedience. You know, they have the same amount of influence over their, their subordinates. And, you know, I think the difference there is, you know, one is, you know, just taking out their word, and, you know, they are, they are the salt of the earth. They, they are, you know, more respected, whereas the other one needs to resort to more uh, violent, aggressive, and excessive speech to basically intimidate uh, the the subordinates to do what they're supposed to. Um, but, I mean, the military is also a, just a very complex and stressful environment, so I, as a chaplain, I don't, I don't get after, honestly, I don't get after people for their, their language in, in the military in general. I don't cuss. I, I try and set that, you know, higher example. But, but I also, you know, understand that it's, it's a difficult environment, and, and not everyone has that you know, salt of the earth presence to be able to influence their, their Marines or, or sailors or whomever um, without, without, you know, resorting to these other means. But I do th kind of think it is a sign of uh, some, some weakness that, that's there. But yeah, all of that to the second commandment. Thank you for mentioning that as well. Definitely, definitely feeds into that. Um, then with that, we will go on to uh, this section on revenge here. Uh, Verses 38 through 42. An eye for an eye, it's called in the NIV section here. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Interesting uh, section here. Uh, so uh, this, this uh, gets, uh, at, again, the idea that um, you know, there was this prevailing attitude or wisdom of the day that Jesus was trying to overturn. And that was uh, essentially do what you have to and be sure to get even. That, that was kind of the prevailing wisdom of, this, of the day. And what Jesus was doing here is, um, remember, he, he never came to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them. So, so what he's doing here, I don't know that I mentioned this with the whole thing on oaths. He's trying to give the, the Israelites, the Jews, and all of his listeners, his disciples, a, 
the correct perspective on what the Torah really means when it's talking about these things. So he's not saying forget about that Torah and all those, you know, that legalistic language, it's all just chuck it out. You know, we got new stuff here. He's saying this is what Moses was really trying to get at here. Um, so, uh, so there's this idea here that um, the, uh, the law of retribution in the Old Testament, um, here's this, this uh, quote from uh, uh, Dr., Dr. Gibbs here, that this law of retribution, it had two functions in ancient Israel. First of all, it limited the scope for revenge for, you know, if, if someone, uh, you know, killed your, your family member, you know, it, it, it limited revenge, so it's not like you're going to go and, you know, wipe out everybody there, right? Um, which would uh, tend to uh, escalate indiscriminately. Uh, just, just like one example, um, uh, Simeon and Levi in, uh, Gen- in Genesis, oh shoot, let's see, what was this, like Genesis 30 or 20, 26, somewhere around, somewhere in mid, mid-Genesis there, they, there were 12 sons of Jacob, right? And there was one daughter. Uh, Dinah, and uh, they were camping near the city Shechem, and a, uh, uh, Dinah was very beautiful, and uh, one, of the, uh, one of the men of the city of Shechem came and was, you know, paying some attention to her and somehow got her alone and uh, actually uh, uh, sexually assaulted uh, Dinah. And so she, remember, she's got 12 brothers, right? So, so this, this is going to be a problem. Um, but it was actually only Simeon and Levi that ended up really being the problem for uh, Shechem. Um, and uh, basically, they, the man who had done it, his whole family came out, and they tried to sort of uh, put balm over the whole thing and say, hey, you know, we really think that Dinah's just a great lady. Uh, we'd love to have uh, our guy Mary marry her and, you know, we could be, you know, one family, you, you and us. And uh, Simeon and Levi, their, their response was, uh, absolutely, let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. Um, only, only one thing here. Uh, so, so we are, you know, uh, descendants of Abraham, right? So we follow uh, the law of circumcision, right? So if you're going to be, you know, one family with us, then all of your men in your whole city of Shechem have to get uh, circumcised. And uh, so the, all the Shechemites are like, really? Okay. So, so they do. And uh, three days later, when all of the men are basically incapacitated by this pain, uh, Simeon and Levi uh, go through the whole city and uh, kill everyone, um, just, just annihilate like everyone there. And then uh, after that, Jacob is freaking out because he thinks everyone else in the region is going to hear what they did and come after them and uh, kill them. Uh, so, and it was actually that action that um, made, because you had Reuben, Simeon, and Levi were the three oldest, right? So, so normally the lion's share of the blessings goes to the oldest. So Reuben had done something else that, you know, took him out of the running. We don't need to go into that. Um, but uh, Simeon and Levi then, because of this violence, they, they weren't going to inherit a whole uh, 
lion's share of, of uh, stuff from uh, Jacob either. And, um, but that is all kind of a long, long discourse as an example of revenge that just gets way out of hand in the, in the Old Testament here. So, so there was law of retribution to kind of limit that. Um, and uh, secondly, um, it treats, so this treats the life and body of every person of equal value. So this is not like animal farm, you know, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. This is, you know, all, all lives are equal. All of us are made in the image of God. So that, it, that law of retribution had uh, both of those uh, ideas. Um, so in, uh, but Jesus is saying basically in, this, in replace of the spirit of uh, grudging and uh, quick revenge, uh, Jesus calls on his disciples to live kind of this life of reckless uh, generosity and in an almost naivete there. Um, and so his words here, the whole goal is to reform our instincts as, as Christians, our quick reactions, our unwillingness to sacrifice today. Um, and then, uh, you know, St. Paul gets very close when he talks about not repaying evil for evil in Romans 12 here. So, uh, you know, we, we, today in the sermon we talk about offense, all right, and how, how often people are offended today for, for various things and, you know, then quick to, you know, get, get revenge. Um, and again, that's something I think the Internet has brought about. It's a lot easier to get upset at somebody and then just unload all kinds of vitriol against them uh, over the over the internet, uh, and so this I think this, these words are appropriate for us today to seek a spirit of uh, forbearance uh, to not immediately seek uh, retribution for for wrongs against us here. Um, so G, so Jesus's point: if the disciples should err, they should err on the side of not retaliating, of yielding, of giving of being taken advantage of. Uh, so looking at a backhanded slap in the face, it's not, not seeing it as an assault, but as an insult. And then uh, he goes on that uh, to show this, Jesus in his own life, right? Showing this idea of non-resistance and self-sacrifice and quiet submission to evil men uh, when he gave his back to blows and his cheek to, to striking here. Um, so... So this, uh, you know, uh, some couple other applications for today. Uh, sometimes you see these words mistakenly applied to, um, uh, as if they advocate for pacifism, as if you know Christians should not, you know, seek to protect uh, their their countries, you know. But you know, and then uh, military service is, you know, not not seen as you know godly. Uh, but but against that, this. But it's kind of talking about two different things here. So, you know, the because again we have the the two different kingdoms that we talk about: the kingdom of the gospel, the kingdom of uh, power. Here, uh, so the kingdom of the gospel is, you know, as Christians are individually, you know, living their lives, um, that they seek to have this spirit of reconciliation. This not the spirit of uh, anger and and taking things personally. You know. Uh, which that can often, I think, grow out of, you know, other stressors, uh, unresolved, 
issues in a person's life that then you know, bubble to the surface in terms of a hot temper or, or things like that. Um, so that's the, like in the kingdom of grace. But you also have in the kingdom of power, you have your responsibility as a citizen of, of whatever government, you know, where you live, that not necessarily to take care of yourself, but to take care of your neighbor. A, you know, so, because Jesus also says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, you know, Dr. Gibbs here talks about Romans 12 and how, you know, we shouldn't repay evil for evil. But the very next chapter, Romans 13, talks about how the government is established to punish the evildoer. And, you know, that, you know, we should fear to do evil because the government does not bear the sword in vain. So, you know, again, that's, that comes back to uh, retribution. And, well, I mean, what do you use swords for? You don't use swords to you know, be nice to people. You, you use it to execute criminals at, at that time. Uh, so, so, you know, these words should not be misinterpreted to, you know, argue against things like capital punishment. They shouldn't be used to argue against military service uh, because it's, we're talking about two different things here, like the personal Christian attitude. Um, and uh, something, else, something else here to, to look at um, because where this really, this can really mess with uh, military veterans uh, who had to do, you know, difficult things in combat, take, take lives and are, have what's called moral injury or post-traumatic stress uh, disorder uh, or just post-traumatic stress. And, you know, it, it's hard for people to, you know, to be sent by their country to go somewhere, you know, get their hands really dirty and then come back and, you know, they hear stuff like this in the church, like don't seek retribution and, you know, don't, you know, you know, turn the other cheek and all that stuff. And some, sometimes veterans will be like, how, how does that work? I mean, did I do wrong when, when I was sent over there? Like, and no, uh, you know, the military are sent as the sword, sword arm of God, you know, to, to punish evil. And, and that includes, you know, evil dictators, that includes um, you know, if someone is threatening, if a government is threatening other lives or the stability of the world, um, all, of, all of those things. So uh, we, we should never say that it is wrong to uh, kill in service to your country. That's, those, are, those are two very different things. Um, so, uh, and then uh, another, another thing here is and when it, there's an application here for communication in uh, relationships again. Uh, one of the things that often will make a unpleasant discussion, say in a marriage, um, turn, make it turn from unpleasant to uh, like more like a marital crisis, is this idea of uh, escalation. That you know, oh, I got you said that to me, that hurt. Well, I'm going to give it back to you. That plus interest. You know, I want you to feel the pain that I felt plus more. And so this, this gets away from escalation as well because, you know, we, we do not seek retribution. You know, we do not seek to give eye for eye, uh, insult for insult, uh, things like that. Um, so, so then the question is, you know, what do you do if someone says something to you really hurtful in a, in a relationship? Uh, well, there's, there's different communication tools to, uh, to look to get through that. Uh, there's, there's one thing you can Google called the, um, 
the floor tool, uh, and it is basically a way to uh, communicate through disagreements uh, in a way that you respect uh, the other person and they respect what you have to say as well. So, so just you know, I don't like to offer, you know, like you can't you know talk about you can't get retribution and then not offer like a a solution when you're in the middle of you know a, a conflict. So, so I commend that to you, the floor tool, just for marital communication purposes. Um, and that's kind of all for the uh, revenge section here. Any, any comments about or questions about any of what we just uh, went into? Yes. No, please. Yes, absolutely. I was discussing this with Pastor, and I've talked to Bob about it. We have so many on uh, verse 42. It says, give to the one who begs from you. And um, I pretty much have not done that because I'm always checking ulterior motives. And um, Pastor said at one time, you, you don't know why they're asking. You know, they may need it. And um, do you have a take? I don't want to put you on the spot. But. Uh, absolutely. Well, we, uh, well, we can look at, um, you know, alms, almsgiving here and, uh, you know, your... The, the whole idea of, um, oh, oh, wait, no, that's something else. Yeah, so the one who asks you, do not turn away. It, it kind of gets at that, if we can get down to giving to the needy here in a little bit, but, but, I'll, but I'll, just in case we don't get there, um, just for, for my end, like, like I, I have no illusions about how, you know, a lot of people, they get into a, a tough situation and, you know, like, like homeless or whatnot, Unfortunately, uh, drug and alcohol addiction are rampant in, the, in a lot of the homeless community. Uh, so, so me personally, I, I don't want to uh, contribute to that, feed into that. Uh, but something my, um, my wife, I forget where she came up with this, or I think she got this idea from someone else. Uh, we try to have um, these bags in the car pretty much at all times. And we got, we put like a pair of socks, some toothpaste, toothbrush, like a bottle of water. Um, and I forget what else, just kind of, just kind of a quick survival kit for, for the day, you know, to, to get from point A to point B or, or whatnot. Um, so we'll try and do something like that, but it is, it is challenging though, because, um, I'm not even sure that that's, I'm not even sure that that's exactly right. Like, I mean, as as our wor words of our Lord say here, like maybe, maybe we are actually called to just, you know, kind of with the spirit of naivete, um, g give. Um, but but I mean, that's kind of where I'm just being open and transparent there. Like, I haven't completely resolved that myself. But where that's kind of where we come down is we'll give something to help, but we're not trying to uh, contribute to the cycle um, as much. But uh, yes, good, good question there. Um, any any other with this section on uh, uh, revenge? And uh, awesome. Okay, then in that case, we will go on to this idea of uh, love here, um, in uh, verse forty-three through forty-eight, and uh, not just love, but love for your enemies. Um, so, go ahead and read this here. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So these, um, you know, there, there's again a strong Old Testament uh, tradition here of, you know, retribution against the enemy and, and hating, hating evil. Uh, so we kind of, so the Psalms will speak of um, the wicked hating God and um, hating the righteous and in other, and in some cases, psalmists express hatred towards evildoers, such as you got Psalms 26 verse 5 or, or 31 uh, verse 7 here. And, uh, you know, and D David in Psalm 139, he says, uh, Those who hate you, O Lord, do I not hate? With complete hatred I hate them. They have become enemies for me. Uh, so uh, there is this uh, error that was kind of taken from that tradition that, again, it's, uh, it's okay to, you know, just despise and hate your enemies there. And that's not what uh, is going on here. So um, this is a urgent command, like in the present tense that Jesus is giving, like right now, uh, he is saying, uh, love without reference to the worthiness of the person uh, that, you're, that you're loving. And uh, pray for others in the same way. Um, even the enemy and the persecutor uh, must receive the loving deeds and prayers of Jesus' disciples here. Um, so, and, uh, and where does this love come from? Where is this love rooted in? It is rooted in our Heavenly Father, uh, just as He and His um, creative uh, uh, beneficence, if you will, He uh, sustains the lives of all people on earth, uh, whether they are, are good or bad or, or are doing evil or, or doing, doing good. Um, he, again, you know, talking about uh, uh, sending His rain to, on the righteous and the unrighteous there. Um, so, uh, this, this idea, you know, God does not withhold his good gifts from, from those who believe in him or those who reject him. Um, and uh, Jesus himself gives his life as a ransom, uh, not in the place of a few, but of the many here. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 28. So to that end, Lutherans do not believe in uh, limited atonement as you have in like uh, some more John, John Calvin uh, traditions that Christ didn't die for everyone. You know, he only died for the, the elect. We do not believe that in the Lutheran church here. Um, and then um, this, this is uh, uh, very powerful in our, uh, in our, if we look at the first uh, century context of um, uh, pa patronage here, uh, at this at this time in the first century, status was very important, right? So if you had money you, or didn't have money, like you were almost more or less of a human being. Like you had more rights, more respect. Um, 
slavery was an option at this time. People could actually be sold as you know, commodities to serve in, in other contexts um, here. So uh, this base, these words have a very strong uh, idea of showing love and respect to everybody, um, regardless of their status, you know, whether they are uh, uh, wealthy or uh, whether they are, are poor. And uh, so we can, we, that resonates a little bit more with us today because, you know, we have this, you know, our constitution that, you know, again, says all, all men are created equal. Not that that's the Bible, but, you know, it's, it's definitely based on biblical ideals that, you know, all, all people have uh, the value of being created in the image of God. And therefore, all life is sacred. Therefore, we ought to love uh, everyone. Um, and there's, there's also, uh, this speaks to the idea of, uh, you know, valuing relationships and people above uh, possessions and above, uh, you know, what, what you can get from, from maybe working 100 hours a week versus, you know, maybe spending more time with, with family here. So, so our culture today, you know, we, we have this preoccupation with, you know, getting stuff. You know, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? Um, and, uh, and so then we have the, these other impacts today, you know, families falling apart at a kind of an alarming rate. Um, you have uh, a lot more poverty, a lot more divorce uh, today. Uh, so, uh, you know, this, this whole idea here is basically, you know, love everyone and, you know, don't be so obsessed with status and, you know, gaining possessions, you know, as much as possible here. Um, and so there's also this idea of uh, maturity, of uh, uh, looking at the, uh, just as the Father is perfect and perfect in his love to everyone, so we are imitating that in our own love towards, towards everyone, that we, we are just as kind and generous, um, caring uh, to, to everyone, uh, regardless of uh, status and things like that. Uh, there is also uh, here uh, this, this idea that Jesus is not, um, he's not trying to make people feel bad necessarily for, you know, not loving like this. He's trying to show them, again, what the true spirit of the Torah is, you know, what the true spirit of God's will uh, for his people is so that they can follow that. Um, so, so there's uh, that idea here. And then um, with, with, this, uh, uh, with this goal then is they manifest the will of God uh, in their own lives here. Um, and now that's, that's essentially all for the section on love for your enemies. Of course, we could also think of the Apostle Paul who started out as Saul, a persecutor for the church, and uh, God loved him and uh, brought him to the faith and then used him to write most of the New Testament. So we have very real evidence there of how God can use uh, love for enemies to accomplish his, uh, his uh, will today. Um, but yeah, so I want to mention, mention that. Uh, any more thoughts on uh, love for your enemies? Okay, excellent. 
um, then, then now we will get into the alms, alms section here in uh, Matthew chapter 6. This is verses uh, 1 through 4 here. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So uh, this, this, new, this is a new section here that uh, Dr. Gibbs, in chapter 6, he kind of gives it uh, this, this title of Life Under the Father's Care. And this, uh, this has two or triads or three-part uh, topics here. So we got alms in verses 1 through 4, prayer in verses 5 through 15, and fasting in verses 16 through 18 here. Uh, so uh, verse, verse 1 here, this is kind of the uh, general introduction for this whole section here. So the, the idea of practicing your righteousness uh, just to get earthly acclaim. Like that is something to avoid. That, so that's kind of the theme verse for this section here, to avoid practicing your righteousness uh, before others here. Uh, so uh, the disciples should avoid living uh, out in terms of giving alms or, or you know, money to charity, things like that. They should not do that just to get uh, rewards back, you know, whether you know, from their relationships or from, um, you know, what, what today we'd say tax breaks or, or whatnot. But there should be, again, this reflection on, of God's uh, giving to us uh, every day. Um, the, you know, one, one thing I think of with this is, you know, how much we take for granted the idea of just breathing, all right? Every, every day, you know, how many times we, we breathe every given day. And yet, if you've ever been in the hospital room of someone who, you know, was having difficulty breathing or maybe they breathed their last uh, in your presence, uh, it's, you realize how much each of us lives every day on, you know, handouts from God. You know, every breath is a gift and at any moment he could take, take that away from us here. Uh, so, so there's kind of this almost anonymous and nature to God's giving. You know, like we, if we actually stop to thank God for everything he's given us uh, on an entire day, I mean, it would, take, it would take too long. Like you'd be just sitting there all day just thanking God for everything. Uh, so, so again, just as God gives uh, continuously uh, and generously, uh, so also he calls his, his people to give uh, uh, generously as well here. Um, and there's, there's also this, this idea of, uh, let's see here, uh, there, there are two contexts for, for carrying out these, uh, these uh, good works. So, uh, the, let's see here, oh, I'm sorry. Um, 
they are either, okay, so there's basically two options for why anyone would do anything nice for someone else. Uh, either to get something from that person or to honor your father in heaven. Very, very straightforward here. So he's saying, obviously, we don't want to give alms just to get something back, but we are honoring our father who gives us all good things um, uh, in good time. And, of course, we can think of the first article of the Apostles' Creed, you know, and, you know, Luther's explanation to it there, how God gives us, again, so much. The list is exhaustive. And uh, this, you could also get this idea. So, again, uh, we're talking about the homeless before and giving to, you know, charities and things like that. And this is, this is kind of where maybe the, the law of God could turn, turn against us here and, and strike our consciences is, you know, well, we often think, I don't want to enable this person. Um, because they will take what I give them and use it for evil, uh, for their own self-destruction. Does that stop God? I mean, you know, do we, are we 100% faithful and holy and perfect with all of the good gifts that God gives us? You know, our, our sights, our sentences, our, our muscles, our hands, our, you know, our actions. Um, no, we are not. Does God you know, then withdraw everything. Oh, you sinned. Sorry, no more breath for you. Boom, you know. No, he doesn't, right? He still, he still sustains us. So, and, um, so that's, again, that's not to say, you know, that we should just, you know, do, turn a blind eye and enable situations. Um, but, you know, there, there, there is that side of it, too, that, that God just graciously gives to us always, kind of regardless of, of how we act. And um, so, so there is that. Um, I'll uh, pause for comments or uh, questions here on this uh, question of uh, almsgiving and uh, things like that. Any more thoughts on this? Okay, excellent. Um, then uh, at this point, we will. Pr we probably wouldn't have time to get through the, the section on prayer today. So uh, thank you for your questions and your time, and we will conclude here. Uh, the Lord be with you. Thank you.